0: Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Monday, February 27th, 2023. This is edition number 36 as we continue through the Westminster Confession of Faith. Today we come to the final paragraph of chapter six. We've been dealing with the subject of the fall of man, of sin, and the punishment thereof. And so this morning we come to the final paragraph dealing with this particular subject. Let's pray first, and then we'll consider paragraph number six together. Our Father in heaven, as we come to these very important truths and these matters that show us our sinfulness, our fallenness, and set us up then, therefore, and prepare us to receive the good news that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son. We pray that we would learn, and we would heed these things, and we would live accordingly To that which we read in your word and hear uh, expressed, we pray that your spirit would guide us, forgive us for our sins, Father, and help us now, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come now to the penultimate or to the ultimate paragraph of this uh, chapter. We come to the matter related to the doctrine of sin, the fall of sin, the fall of man, and and the just punishment that uh, we deserve as a result. And so we have much to deal with here in this paragraph, so I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll endeavor to be as brief as possible as I set forth these very important truths. But paragraph number 6 of chapter 6 says the following, Every sin, both original and actual, being a transgression of the righteous law of God and contrary thereunto doth in its own nature bring guilt upon the sinner whereby he is bound over to the wrath of God and curse of the law and so made subject to death with all miserable with all miseries spiritual temporal and eternal let's first note a couple things that are uh, very evident of course in the plain reading of this paragraph we note right away that every sin as Uh, The Confession puts it, uh, both original and actual sin is indeed a transgression of the righteous law of God. That is to say, first, the original sin that we've already uh, considered in paragraphs 4 and 5, that original sin leads to and ultimately is enough to bring us under the righteous judgment of a holy God. That is to say, the things that it mentions at the very end of the paragraph, uh, because of this, we are bound over to the wrath of God, the curse of the law, made subject to death with all the miseries of this life, spiritual, temporal, and even eternal misery. Just by virtue of the fact that we were conceived in sin, in Psalm 51, how David mentions that, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the fact is that we have been born in sin, and that alone is enough to condemn us. It's not even that we do sin, but we will do. We will indeed sin, but it's not even that we sin in actual transgressions that, that brings us under God's judgment. It is that we are indeed sinners. It is because we are by nature sinners. And that's Paul's point in Ephesians 2. We were by nature objects of God's wrath. But, of course, we sin because we are indeed sinners, and those sins, actual sins, as it's put here in paragraph 6, are indeed also a transgression of the righteous law of God. So those, those sinful desires that you may not act on, the thoughts that you have, are themselves sin, and they require either redemption by Christ, or you yourself will deal with that on your own for eternity. But also the actions that flow out of the heart of man, the sinful heart of man, those two also are transgressions of God's law. What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. In 1 John 3 and verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now, of course, as the confession tells us, (coughs) excuse me, it is a transgression of the righteous law of God. That is to say the moral law that is given to us in those Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. But it's not just those things. It's wherever God has commanded His creatures to do certain things, and we uh, fail to do those. Either we, uh, we commit sins of omission, and that is to say we don't do what we're supposed to do, or commission, we do what we're not supposed to do. In either case, these are a violation of the righteous law of God. Romans chapter 3. We've considered this paragraph, or this section in Paul's letter to the Romans already, but in Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 9, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jew and Greeks, are under sin. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. So, In the giving of this law, God holds forth His holiness to us. It reflects to us the fact that we are not those things, that in the inward man, the original sin that dwells in us, and also the actual transgressions that flow from it, we violate God's law and are subject to the miseries that come from it. And so, it brings guilt upon the sinner. There can be no other way to express it. We are indeed guilty before God. Without Christ, without hope in the world, we are guilty sinners deserving God's due justice and indeed judgment. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, I've already made reference to the fact that we are there. As Paul puts it, we are by nature objects of God's wrath. Just as the fact is we exist, we are by nature Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. For all have sinned, fallen short of the very glory of God. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. Now these are not obviously very pleasant things to hear that God's word says about us. All men, all mankind found outside of Christ. These this is the description of our our state, our being, our existence. Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, if it were possible for man to keep the law perfectly in thought, word, and deed, Jesus Christ wouldn't have had to come and save and rescue us from this miserable condition. But the fact is, it's not possible. The, mere, the, the, the law is indeed a mirror. In its second use of the law, it holds up a mirror to us and we look at it and we see ourselves, we see what we look like and that image that's reflected back is not very pleasant and it's very uh, uh, offensive to a holy God. It brings guilt upon the sinner, therefore he is bound over to the wrath of God. We are by nature objects of God's wrath, the curse of the law. And so made subject to death, Romans 6. 23, the wages of sin is death. Why does man die? Because of sin. Why does man die? Because they're sinners. It's very simple. Death is not something that was part, as it were, of the original design. We were made to live forever in communion with God, and indeed the redeemed of the Lord will one day do just that. But when Adam and Eve plunged all of humanity into sin, we lost, we forfeited that very right to dwell for eternity with God apart from a mediator, apart from Christ. And so death was brought in to our existence. This is why we get sick. This is why we have struggles health-wise. This is why we die. We see others die. All of these things um, are a result, a a necessary result of sin, bringing with it all the miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, there we see they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the, to the hardness of, their hardness of heart. this spiritual death that came into our existence because of our first parent sin, because of original sin, because of the actual sin that we then commit. It, it is a, a result of the spiritual death that must be revived if there is to be any hope. We are dead in the grave and with no hope whatsoever and no life. This is Paul's point in Ephesians 2. There in verse 4, when he he says to these dead sinners, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, he says there in verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ there's a resurrection the theological term is a regenerating work of the spirit a regeneration that occurs in the heart and mind and body and being of the dead sinner but then there's also temporal miseries that come temporal miseries that not only affect us you get sick you have hardship with rela- difficulties with relationships sometimes marital struggles um the ugliness of divorce. You, know, you, list the, you list the temporal realities of our existence and you, and you wonder and scratch your head perhaps. You watch the news and you see the things that are going on where people are killing other people. There's all sorts of atrocities going on in our society. There's things happen that you just scratch your head and wonder, how can this be? It is because of sin. And it's that turning over of man to that which they are duly deserving. And we have experienced it, but not only... God's creatures, not only man made in the image of God, but also all of creation indeed has been plunged under the weight of this horrific rebellion, this disobedience of our first parents. And because of sin, all of creation is subjected to this. So we read in Romans 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, why do we suffer? Why is there suffering in this present time? because of sin, both actual and original sin. For the creation waits, Paul says, with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And so, we see thorns, and we see thistles, and we we recognize that one of the curses was man would have to work the ground and it would come from the sweat of his brow and it would be difficult and it would be arduous and all of these types of events that have occurred in creation. All we see how nature itself is seemingly run amuck at times with hurricanes and disasters and all sorts of matters that affect us. These, are, This is all because of what sin has done. We have plunged our even the nature that God made and called good. We've plunged it all into the misery of this temporal existence. But also, there's not only that, but there's also... Uh, in the, the, the tragic end of all of this without Christ is that there is an eternal misery that will come. Now, I know people think there's no hell. It's a mythology. It's something we've made up out of thin air and to scare people into compliance. And I've heard all of the arguments, or I've heard many of them anyway. Well, let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible makes it very plain that there's a hell. In fact, Jesus speaks more about hell than he does heaven. And the fact is, in Matthew 25, he says this as much. Matthew 25 and verse 41, he's talking about the final judgment. Really should back up to verse 31, but we'll just look at verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now those on his left are the unregenerate. The ones on the left are the ones who refuse Christ. They refuse the hope of the gospel. They won't turn to him. The ones on the right are the sheep. They're the ones who love Christ, that have been brought into communion with Him. The ones on the left are the ones who hate Him and don't have, want anything to do with Him. We think hell's a made-up myth and fiction. They think the Bible's written by a bunch of men who didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, deny the existence of God. The list is endless. My friends, on the authority of Scripture, you, you run a great risk to reject the, the God of the Bible. You run a great risk to reject the only hope that He offers To you as a sinner, both by your existence as being one, but also the things that you do throughout the day, you run a great risk of spending eternity in in unquenchable fire and misery that you can't even begin to imagine. Now, the solution is simple. You turn to Christ. You plead for help. Be merciful to me, the sinner. Save me from my sin. I repent of my sin. I need Jesus. That's what you must do. If not, then these, these spiritual and temporal miseries of this life will pale in dramatic comparison to what will happen for eternity. Don't toy with a holy God. Today's the day of repentance. If this is you, then you must turn from this sin. You must claim Christ. But this is the reason why we see these things in our world. And it's not because we don't have the best laws on the books or we don't have the best politicians serving in Washington or our state capitals. It's not because of any of those reasons. Those people are sinners too. It's because sin has come into this world, has wrecked everything that God has made good. God gives good gifts and man wrecks it. It's because of that reason there is only one solution. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and men, that is to whom we must look. That is to whom we must trust. The bad news is indeed, it's, it's bad, it's horrible news. But there is good news. It's coming. When we get to chapter 8, we'll hear more about the glorious mediator, the begotten Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. Uh, the way to do that is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition, when we begin to look at chapter 7, Matters related to God's covenant with man. May the Lord help you today. May you turn from sin. May you walk in newness of life. May you strive to be obedient to all that God has told you. God bless.